welcome to the Think Factory podcast. We got one question for you. What keeps you up at night? I'm Chris Santamassimo from OGC Solutions. I'm really excited today to uh, chat with Matt Baer, who is the executive director of the Book Manufacturers Institute. Uh, good morning, Matt. Good morning. Thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. You know, so we're a little bit focused maybe on uh, one special part of the of the printing industry, which is book manufacturers. You know, what was interesting to me is not only what BMI does, your organization, but also what the market did for the book manufacturing business, especially during COVID. And I'd love to hear not only about BMI, but also what the market looks like in 2024, 2025, because I think that also reflects what the overall market looks like, not only for printers, but maybe even for other uh, consumer goods. So take it away. Tell us about BMI. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so we are the trade association that is focused purely on the printed book. So, you know, a lot of other related associations are have a little bit more broader spectrum focus, uh, whether it's commercial wide format or whatever is out there. But our folks are, are really just focused on books. Now, I will say we do have members that, you know, also do commercial printing or also do other things, but a majority of their revenue is book related. So this past year, we celebrated our 90th anniversary as an association. So we've been around a little bit and our membership's really split in half, uh, half being the actual printer, manufacturer, distributors of books. And then the other half would be their suppliers. So that includes the paper companies, the OEMs, anybody that's kind of furnishing stuff to help make a book uh, could also be in that category. So yeah, it, it's been uh, an interesting ride. You you know, when you think about, let's just say 15 years ago, right, 08, you had the crash and the Kindle both, which really both disrupted the book industry quite a bit. And ever since then, it's really kind of been working its way back. And then you ended up with COVID. And the good news is everybody was home and wanted to read print books. They got tired of looking at screens. <laughs> and it's an amazing dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really was. But it also was tough because of all the supply chain issues. So people couldn't get paper and there was kind of a backlog. And so I would say we've really been dealing with this whiplash effect, you know, demand spiked. And then you had this delay in the ability to fulfill that demand. So, you know, once that demand got filled, publishers got worried that they wouldn't have enough inventory to meet future demand. So they overordered. During that time, our folks who couldn't get paper, they were stockpiling paper because they didn't know if something else would happen and they wouldn't have it. So so then they overordered it. And so you've had this trickle-down effect of printers overordering paper, then publishers overordering books just to be on the safe side because, again, they were worried about being able to fulfill demand because, you know, you did have a decent amount of printing happening overseas. And at the time, you know, it could take four, five, six months for something to come up, come over on a boat. Well, right. it was too late. So people moved a lot of their print work back to the States so they'd have it locally, and which was, again, great for our members. But now what we're seeing is the second half of 23, the market really softened because publishers are sitting on lots of inventory. Right. Um, and so their number of orders are down, but also because the shipping lanes are wide open and pricing from shipping is back down to where it was pre-COVID levels for the most part, some folks are okay with moving that work back over to Asia. And so it's been an interesting ride for sure over the last few years. You know, I think a lot of industries, a lot of people love to use that phrase, the new normal post-COVID, but I don't think the book industry has a normal yet, a new normal yet. I think what we've said is looking forward to 24, the, the word is uncertainty. <laughs> 
Well, I think you'd say that's probably the the word around a lot of industries, not just book printing for sure, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of places, a lot of industries that are in that same boat. Well, you had this overnight, you know, consumer behavioral change, as you said. You know, everybody wanted to read a book and stop looking at a either a Kindle or an iPad or a computer screen, right? And then, and all of a sudden, maybe that's shifting back a little bit. Maybe people are back to their normal routines and reading a little bit less, potentially. But so you have all these effects that are sort of coming uh, together in one, you know, in one uh, bulk and uh, creating not only that uncertainty, but maybe softening up the market just a little bit, too. Yeah, for sure. I think there's no doubt, you know, during COVID, people weren't commuting, so it didn't matter. Now they're commuting, so now audiobooks tend to get the nod because you're sitting in the car or the train or whatever you're doing. But, yeah, I think I saw the other day book sales for 23 were, you know, fairly well off the 22 number, but right. still very much higher than the 2019 number. So you got to kind of take it in stride. I think we're still trying to figure out what that new equilibrium might be in terms of print demand for books. But, you know, you look at the numbers year after year, the number of ISBNs issued just keeps growing. The technological changes, uh, the print-on-demand options for folks, uh, I think still really help the industry as a whole. So, you know, you can now take all these podcasts and recreate it into a book form and print them as people want them, right? And and that's that's what a lot of people are doing with various forms of content. You know, you're not seeing these huge mass market bestsellers that are selling 10 million copies as much anymore, but that long tail is still very active and just getting longer. So I think, you know, people still like the print book. I think people like to have a copy of something, but we're still finding that, again, we mentioned that new normal, what people are used to and, and okay with is still changing daily. You know, one thing I think uh, folks that are new to this industry might find interesting is this whole print on demand, as you just mentioned, because I think it means different things for different buyers. On the one hand, you got the consumer side of it. On the other hand, you got the Amazon side of it. So talk a little bit about how that dynamic works and what it means. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is the eight billion pound gorilla in the room uh, when it comes to books uh, being a retailer, but they also have their own print operations, but then they also contract with a lot of our members to print for them. And in some instances, it is a print on demand type of thing. You go to Amazon, you find this book, you click buy. That book may not exist physically yet. You know, there's a batch download that happens overnight. It kicks to one of our printers who prints one singular copy, print packs and ships it, and it arrives at your door. And they're under strict SLAs with Amazon that can be pretty tight. But the automation that has happened over the last, you know, decade, true book of one inline print bind and everything happening is huge. And I think it's allowing a lot of our members to expand their offerings. I think it allows, well, if you talk to the publishers, I think it's the last six, seven years, backlist has outsold frontlist because now they don't have to retire a title. They just turn it into print on demand. And then you have something like a, you know, some author goes nuts. Uh, their latest book pops on TikTok or something, book talk. And now the sudden people are looking for, oh, what else is this person written? And they go back and, you know, they can find a title that's 10, 15 years old that maybe the, the publisher, they had no idea that this author was going to have a resurgence or that this was going to be a thing. So they didn't make it so the book's out of print, but they've print on demand. And so now all of a sudden they start seeing that uptick in demand, print on demand. Okay, great. Well, I mean, we're going to do a run of a thousand copies. 
and they can do short run prints, uh, digital prints, or if it really pops off, now they can go put it back into a longer offset run or, or whatever. But yeah, print on demand really gives flexibility and allows for some variables. But you know, if everything went to print on demand tomorrow, it couldn't, right? The capacity is not there. The infrastructure is not there across the world to be able to make every book print on demand. Plus, as you can imagine, just like everything else, making one of something is not as financially sustainable in terms of costs as you don't get those economies of scale, right? If you're running 50,000 of something, it's going to be cheaper per unit than making one of something. So I think publishers are still trying to get their hands around what is the appetite that consumers have, what price are they willing to pay for something, and what profit does the publisher need versus the cost of this one item versus if we run a short run versus a long run, offset versus digital, and all those questions. And again, I go back to that word of uncertainty, and I think that's what publishers are uncertain because they're still trying to figure out, you know, what are some of the price points that they can maybe go up to because everybody, every industry's faced cost price increases across all inputs, shipping, paper, labor, energy, all these things that go into the cost of printing a book are up. And publishers are very weary to raise their prices because the, you know, they just don't know if I take this book from 1999 to 2499, will it sell? Right. Um, and it's funny because we also talked to publishers about, you know, for a while when capacity was really tight and, and publishers needed stuff printed, you know, we really talked a lot about standardization, primarily of paper choices because that was the big thing. But but also like trim sizes so that, you know, if I can keep one machine set up for six by nine and that's it, I can run a whole lot more and I don't have to worry about changeovers and, and all those things. And, and so standardization of certain components of a book really help, but then they're worried about, you know, will that book stand out on the bookshelf? Well, okay, well, but are people buying it at a bookstore or are they buying it on Amazon? Because if you're buying on Amazon, that's a different experience uh, than it is if you're wandering a library or a bookstore or whatever in discovery. I attended a publisher conference and they talked about that whole discovery. It's a good question, uh, how people are finding books these days. And, and so, how important is all that extra treatment on the cover? I think what publishers did find out during COVID with the paper shortage was that maybe the paper, exact paper weight and opacity and things that they were so concerned about before eh, didn't quite matter as much, which has been helpful. So all these factors in terms of demand and, um, you know, consumer preference, it's a really tough balancing act, quite frankly, because uh, you're trying to do a lot of predicting Maybe the data that you've experienced over the last couple of selling cycles really doesn't tell you a lot about what the uh, the future behavior looks like. It's 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 a little bit of a guess. Absolutely. In fact, <laughs> one of one of the sessions we had at an event recently at our annual conference was around forecasting, and we actually brought a group, a, a panel who had talked to publishers earlier in the year about it, and we wanted our manufacturers to hear the same thing that the publishers were hearing, because forecasting is. It's the ultimate guessing game, I think, almost for 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 both publishers and manufacturers, right? So publishers are trying to see which book's going to be a hit, what that means in terms of numbers of printing and timing. And I think for the longest time, publishers were looking at, you know, price per unit was, was the number that they kept in their head all the time. But now, especially after kind of all the overordering that's happened over the last year or two, you really just got to look at the total cost of ownership of this book from from printing to the transportation to the warehousing to the distribution 
because it might be, even though, and I'm making up numbers here, but I can run a thousand books and that's going to cost me X, but then I got to store them, warehouse them and ship them as they go. Or maybe it makes sense for me to just do a short, really short run of a hundred every month or two. And that, even though my price per unit is going to be higher, my overall cost will be less because it's less warehousing, distribution, shipping costs. So it's factoring all of that in while also trying to guess, okay, well, is this going to be a hit book or not? Um, and that can be difficult. And and then coupling that on top of, we'll just call it seasonality, right? I mean, a lot of books are printed that lead up to Christmas and, and that sort of thing. But if you could have printed them in August, maybe the, the printer has extra capacity and that's, you can get a cheaper price then than trying to jam in on in October. So all these factors work together. It, it is a difficult process for both the publisher and the printer. What do you see? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of the discussion that you've been, we've been having so far is uh, maybe focused around consumer demand for books, for popular titles, etc. What do you see in maybe in other markets like uh, professional books or in the education market that might have a separate dynamic? And, you know, oh, how, yeah. to, how I mean, that balancing act look? Education just overall <laughs> is a whole nother can of worms. I mean, higher ed has been on the decline for a very long time and I think will continue to be that way as more schools go to various open access and digital formats and, and the publishers are pushing it as well. You know, they want to, they want, they're trying to figure out the best way to potentially get an entire college to just use their, all of their books, right. For every subject. And we'll give you a subscription model uh, to online access to all this stuff. And then maybe we, maybe we'll print on demand stuff as students want. K-12 market, you know, the, the CARES Act actually put a lot of money back into the states, into the schools, which is great. And they used that to order more book and kind of update some things. I believe this this past year or this next six months might be the end of that that money. I'm not quite sure how that, that ended up working out. But so education K-12 spending was up over the last couple of years, but I expect that to slowly start to back off to pre-COVID levels. But it's tough because... Every bit of research that you see says students need multiple forms of reading and learning and that print gives kids the most retention. Um, we did some research. If, in fact, if you go to, to BMIbook.com and look at our website, we've got some really interesting research around parent preferences in K-12 students to print. It's under our resources tab. You'll see printed materials in K-12 education research. But we had over a 1,000 parents of K-12 school children polled about what they believe is the best learning methods for their students in print. It was like four-to-one print over digital. And the science backs up the retention of the reading when it's print. So I think we really have to be careful with you know going digital with everything. But I know it's like the transactional market has faced that with everybody wanting to just go digital with bank statements or social security statements and all that kind of thing. But if they do that, then then there's certain people who just won't get it because they're not online or, or they, they can't read some of that stuff digitally. So we got to we gotta be careful in, in leaning too hard into all digital for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, I think the, the education market from books, you know, there's still going to be textbooks, but I think we've seen a little bit more push towards maybe the consumable workbook style Mm -hmm. things for certain classes, which is good because at least you still have that tactile reading and stuff. And Maybe so it cuts down the cost a little bit, too, if you're not dealing with hardcover text anymore, right? It, exactly. And to be honest, the overall hardcover capacity 
in the United States has not grown considerably. A case-bound book, you know, that, that is difficult, but perfect binding. Now is, you know, you can get it in line to make those workbooks pretty quickly and easily. And I, so I think that's helped. Yeah, they're a bit easier to use, I think, too, if I remember, you know, 100 years ago when I went to college or our law school. Those uh, those hardcover books are a little hard to manage sometimes. Well, this morning I helped my daughter off to school, and she's a high schooler, and I picked up her backpack and was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Because they don't have lockers now. They don't, you know, certain schools have just gotten rid of lockers for safety or whatever reasons that they are. But, you know, lugging around big, heavy textbooks is tough for kids. But, you know, thinner workbook style stuff might be easier. And, and again, more cost effective is usually different paper grades, cheaper binding option. And so those are very easily, a lot of times easily recyclable and, and that sort of thing. Because I think one of the things we haven't talked about is just the big push for sustainability in the market as well. Just It used to just be about recycled paper, but now with all the different, you know, pushes for environmental and social and, and governmental governance type things, the ESG standards publishers want printers to be holding to lowering their carbon footprint and doing the sustainable thing and and so that's a big push that we're we're seeing these days too Mm -hmm. do you think that that esg concern is going to expand uh, in 24 and beyond is is it on an upward trajectory 100 percent. if you look at europe right now they they tend to be the ones leading the the charge in the sustainability front especially when it comes to print and books and it's big really big it's going to make its way here for sure it's already started to that we're part of a group called the green book alliance that was formed with bisg booknet canada and bic i believe and and they're you know trying to come up with some standards or some information some guidelines for both publishers and printers to follow to to make sure everybody is on the same page and you want to create you know standards guidelines rules whatever you want to call them that makes sense for both parties right they're measuring things that can be measured and can be controlled and I don't think anybody's going to argue that being more sustainable is a good thing, <laughs> but we also got to be careful of, you know, are we putting undue burden on folks for something that's that somebody just said, yeah, I, I really just want you to do that. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, what does that have to do with a printed book or somebody buying a printed book or, or any of that? So it'll be interesting to see. I think this year we're going to see a lot of movement in that arena because you've really seen it in Europe already. Mm-hmm. So to sum up this conversation, I think it's an interesting one because I also think that, as I said at the outset of the conversation, that what you're seeing in the consumer preference side of your business really, uh, I think, gives you a little bit of foreshadowing about other elements of the consumer, you know, buying behavior. I'm curious to see what you think 24 looks like, you know, putting aside this balancing that you talked about in terms of, you know, inventories of raw materials as well as printed books. Yeah. Do you think that's going to continue in 24? Do you think we've seen the end of that? And then what do you think consumers are going to be looking for this year and next? I think the supply chain has gotten back to close to normal, if you will. But the real question mark, though, is just at least on the paper side is there's, there's been a lot of private equity moving into the that side of the business. And, and we all know if PE is involved, the number one thing is profitability. So if we see them make changes to, you know, if they turn off a mill or switch it over from paper to packaging, which has happened a lot in the last 10 years, that can disrupt supply chain, disrupt pricing. And there's no way to know whether that's coming down the pike, right? That's just a, a PE firm deciding they want to make more money and we're going to be a victim of that. You know, I think we've seen, we will probably see a push towards smaller runs, which means more digital printing options. So I think those folks are going to be in a, in a place to succeed. But again, it's going to be more of a guessing game with forecasting. Um, and then you just throw in all the other question marks, whether, you know, it's an election year or, or are we looking at, you know, are they going to 
put more tariffs on stuff from overseas, which could help our printers be able to do more business. You know, the some of those tariffs would be great, I think, to help the U.S. book printer. If they start putting sustainability rules in place, well, I can guarantee you books coming from the Far East probably aren't meeting the sustainability <laughs> requirements that they're putting in. So it's got to be uh, those things have to work hand in hand. So I think like anything, what we've seen a lot of is a lot of M&A in the space over the last 10 years. Right. And maybe that paused for a little bit, but as rate interest rates start dropping back down and folks take a look, I don't, the, the M&A will continue to shake up the industry a little bit and then we'll see how that works. But, uh, you know, I've already, I already know of two deals that have happened in the last three months, uh, that have affected our members, one on the printing side, one, or actually two on the printing side, one on the manu- uh, on the OEM side. So, you know, goes back to that word I started with at the beginning, and that's uncertainty. <laughs> well, it's definitely a market that's changed a lot. And you mentioned um, the uh, the private equity impact, too. You know, there's private equity uh, involved on the printer side uh, and even a little bit on the equipment side, too. So I think that's going to continue to be a, a factor that uh, is going to drive just, uh, you know, general behavior of the suppliers, for sure. And to your point, where there's change, there's a little bit of uncertainty. So buckle up and uh, get ready for a potentially bumpy ride over the next few years. For sure. Absolutely. Well, let's hope we still see that uh, upward trajectory, at least, you know, even, even if it's slight in terms of the demand for books. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of old school that way too. And I do agree with you about the, uh, that tactile sensation of touching the book and, you know, highlighting it or making notes in it uh, when you're trying to learn something uh, does make a huge impact for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, this is a great conversation. Uh, for those that maybe joined uh, partially uh, through the conversation, this was Matt Baer, the executive director of the Book, Book Manufacturers Institute. Where can uh, folks check you out? I know you mentioned the website earlier, but let's uh, make sure they hear it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we are at bmibook.com, um, and you can go and, and check out. We've got a lot of Free resources available for non-members, of course, more for for members of the association. And then we have BMI Book on Twitter and would be the and LinkedIn. So, terrific. Well, check out BMI and Matt. I really appreciate uh, you sharing your thoughts and uh, observations, and hopefully, we'll uh, continue to see some um, some success for your members. Thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate you having me. Well, again, this is Chris Santamassimo, host of the Think Factory podcast, powered by OGC Solutions. We'll see you next time. 